Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right along, joining me alongside here, of course, is uh, Legends Tour player and LPJ professional Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, great uh, sunny Tuesday uh, morning down here in Florida. I don't know what the weather's like up in, uh, up in Buffalo. Almost at Chicago. It's uh, up in Buffalo. Probably sunny. the best day we've had all years today. <laughs> Very the well. So we're, I think it's going to be like 75 <laughs> and sunny. No wind. Oh, wow. wow. Great Perfect. scoring day. Exactly. Time, time to take advantage of that. Okay. Uh, of course, Cindy and I are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. We're glad that you can join us this morning. Um, let me just remind everybody, Cindy, of course, uh, we are live every Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 uh, Eastern Standard Time, unless we specify otherwise. Uh, best way to find us, go to blogtalkradio.com. And up in the search key, type Women of Golf, and that will take you right to the main page. And the live broadcast is always uh, right there uh, front and center. Uh, but if you can't join us live, uh, not to worry. Just scroll down that page, and uh, in the on-demand section, all of the previously aired shows are there, so you can listen to them when it's convenient for you uh, if you can't join us here live. Uh, also, you can go to iTunes.com, and under the podcast section, again, type Women of Golf, and uh, that will take you to the page there through iTunes. For, uh, iTunes excuse me, for those of you uh, that like to follow that way. Um, always would love to hear from you. Uh, you're welcome to speak to either Cindy or myself and uh, do so. You can call area code 347-945-5855. And uh, as I said, we would love to hear from you. So you're welcome to join the conversation anytime uh, during the live broadcast. Uh, you can also email questions to womenofgolf at gmail.com or any comments that you'd like about the show. Or maybe you have an interesting guest uh, that you'd like to see in the show. You can email us, uh, email us there. Excuse me. Uh, but if you're somebody in the golf profession, whether you're a teacher professional, a player, uh, an entrepreneur, or just uh, maybe somebody that's uh, got something that you really want to discuss uh, on the show about golf, maybe a direction you want us to, to go with the program, uh, you can reach out to Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com and she'd be more than happy to uh, work you into the mix. And you can also uh, communicate with me as well at Ted.GolfTalkLive at gmail.com. Um, got a great show Cindy this morning of course we got uh, another winner from the Symmetra Tour this past weekend uh, Laura Wern uh, she's the winner of the 2016 Gosling's Dark and Stormy Classic which took place in Milton Georgia uh, again this past weekend that was at the held at the Atlanta National Golf Club and then a little bit later in the broadcast after we speak with Laura uh, Shelly Liddick is going to be joining us she's a member of the LPJ teaching and club professionals and she's also the women's golf coach at Bellevue University out in Omaha, Nebraska. So she'll be joining us in the second half of the program. But, uh, you know, interesting, um, you know, some of the young ladies, uh, Cindy, that are up and coming uh, on the Symmetra Tour, obviously their uh, long-term goal or immediate goal is to get out onto the LPGA Tour and play 
uh, with some of the, uh, the more seasoned veterans of the game. Um, how hard is it? How hard is it to qualify or to play on this? How hard? Tour? How hard is it? Is it? Yeah. How hard is it out there? I don't think a lot of listeners probably really appreciate just how hard it is. You've played on on uh, multiple tours. You played on the Legends, of course, uh, more recently, but you also played out in the LPJ Tour. Uh, it's tough, isn't it? It's really hard, and and what's really hard is learning to believe in yourself. I guess you know it's funny because um, our guest last week was really good in college mm-hmm. and then kind of lost her confidence and then was about to quit, changed yep. her mindset, you know, because she was supposed to be an all-star right? and then didn't perform. And you're out there every week and every, you know, what's wrong with you? Why don't you score better? What's wrong with your game? I, you need to do this and you need to do that. And everybody's a critic. And and it's really difficult to find your confidence again, and but yet she did, and she came back and won. And then our guest this week, you know, had back surgery last year, and yep. here she is. She just she wasn't supposed to win, and now she did win. You know, so yep. you just don't know. This game is so difficult, and I, I guess the the our listeners, those who are amateurs, can probably understand the pain and they believe i think some of them think that when you turn pro all that goes away it doesn't yeah. magnify yeah. <laughs> it gets <Yeah>. bigger and <laughs> louder yeah so the little what? voice in your head that says look out careful you know you just learn to tame those voices i guess is yeah. what you say yeah i think uh, i think you're right i think once you've sort of hit that pro- professional circuit i i think the pressure just exacerbates itself because now you think, okay, wow, you know, here I am. I've got an opportunity to play with with some of the other greats of the game. Um, I've got to really pick up my game. So the pressure really mounts on their shoulders. And we're going to talk to Laura a little bit about that. I see that she's ready to join us. So let me just very quickly read out just a, a few uh, points about her, and and then we'll bring her into the conversation. Uh, as mentioned uh, earlier on the opening uh, credits, uh, uh, Laura Wern is our special guest this morning. Uh, she's a semester player. She just won this past weekend's event, the uh, 2016 uh, Gosling's Dark and Stormy Classic uh, in Milton, Georgia, at the Atlanta National Golf Club. Uh, she started playing at the age of 14, and like many other uh, youngsters out there, she enjoys hanging out with her friends and, and uh, playing tennis and, and really a lot of different sports and just enjoys uh, being out the outdoors and uh, different activities. Uh, her 2014 career, uh, in a nutshell, was uh, she won, uh, participated in 17 events, made only six cuts, uh, so didn't really have a great, uh, you know, stellar 14 season. Uh, opened uh, one top 10 uh, season best, uh, tied ninth at the Credit Union Classic. But she's got a great background, uh, though. Uh, participant in the U.S. Women's Amateur Championship, finalist Women's Southern Am- Amateur, finalist in the Carolinas Women's Match Play Championship, run-up uh, finish Women's Eastern Amateur, winner of the North Carolina State Women's Amateur in 2010, and runner-up finish uh, Carolinas Women Amateur as well. Uh, so she's got a lot of... Uh, great accolades, like you said, coming in. But, uh, you know, when you get out there with, with some of the other professionals out there, it's a whole different game. So let's talk to uh, Laura this morning. Let's welcome her to the show. Good morning, Laura. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, well, Laura, congratulations. Uh, I'm Ted, and, and Cindy and I are well, uh, glad to have you joining us this morning. We appreciate you uh, giving of your time. Um, 
Cindy, I'm just going to start off real quick with an obvious uh, a question here, as Cindy had alluded to in, in the earlier comments. Um, you had actually just gone through some back surgery, I believe, last year. Tell us a little bit about that, how that, what happened? Were you injured or was it just uh, something else? And how did you sort of move through into your recovery? Yeah, it was a long process. I'm not really sure how I hurt my back. I think it was just a combination of, you know, golf, workouts, and bad genes. Um, but it just kept getting worse at the start of last year and end of, I guess, 2014. And so I tried some rehab and um, some cortisone shots, but ultimately I ended up having surgery in May. Um, and so it was a it was a long process. I couldn't play golf for a while. Um couldn't really do much physical activity at all, but I started playing again in about October of last year and kind of slowly worked my way into some tournaments, so it's great to be back now. And obviously having a, a back injury, especially for a golfer, um, you know, could potentially have been very serious, and obviously, um, you know, you were able to, to work through that, but um, do you find yourself being a little extra careful now, um, knowing that you've got that issue to deal with from time to time? Yeah, I do. I, um, I'm so thankful that we've got a trainer, Cliff, out here on the road, and um, my physical therapist at home, Graham, has been awesome. And so, you know, I do more stretches, and I try to strengthen my core. Um, so I'm definitely always thinking about it because I don't want to go through it again. Um, but I think that, you know, it, I think it's helped me um get better at golf when I've started to focus on some of the strength and flexibility that you know I've worked on to I guess improve my core and back get my back stronger and and obviously injuries Cindy I'm sure you can attest to this as well you know playing out on the LPGA and obviously the Legends Tour as well um you know injuries a lot of people don't associate golf as obviously it's not a contact sport, so they don't really associate injuries per se. But but Laura and and, and Cindy, I want you to comment as well. Um, injuries is a lot more common out on, on the tourist than what people realize. Correct? Yeah, I think it's really yeah. common. Yeah, just so, overuse. I think you know overuse, and you're asking your body to do an awful lot. Yeah, well, I think and, it's and the also, repetitive nature. Yeah, and I think probably more so in, in wrist and, and uh, you know, a lot of the wrist injuries you hear about uh, some of the players, and, and I'm sure obviously because you're on your feet a lot and you're walking, uh, you're going to get, uh, you know, maybe in your ankles or, or that sort of thing. But um, is this the first time that you've sort of been dealt with with that type of situation in, in your career so far? Yeah, I just had some you know, really minor injuries, but this was the first major injury that really put me on the sidelines for a while. So it was a frustrating process. Mm. Um, tell us a little bit about your win this weekend. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I really wasn't expecting it. You know, I wasn't playing that well in the practice rounds, but um, I guess something clicked in the first round, and I you know started playing some great golf and. I got a lot of confidence, and, um, you know, the last day I was really nervous. Um, you know, Madeline and Primo, they were pressing, and they had to hit some great shots, so I was just really fortunate to come out with the win, and it was a great feeling. Now, you had um, – go ahead, Cindy. Tell us tell us what clicked, because we're always searching. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think i just been hitting the ball all over the golf course, and when I was warming up, I um, – hit some really great shots. I had been messing with my swing and, you know, I just tried to hit some cuts and it worked for me all week. So I just, you know, was 
uh, stayed and focused on my game plan, and yeah, I guess it worked out for me. So you hit cuts all week, and they worked. I hit cuts, and it worked. So I think I might be trying that strategy the next couple of events. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Now you you've had um, Laura, you've obviously had uh, a, a, a certainly a solid uh, career thus far, but this is your first win, correct, on the Symmetra Tour? Yes, sir. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey so far. I mean, obviously you had the injury and that we, you mentioned that a little bit, but, um, being the first one, obviously that's important to get that under your belt and, and it gives you certainly some confidence to move forward in that. Um, but was there ever a time leading up to that that we had a guest on last week, uh, Erica, of course, uh, who actually at one point thought about quitting. Uh, she was sort of disgruntled. Was there ever, did that ever cross your mind at all earlier in your career? You thought, wow, this is just tougher than I thought. Yeah, you know, when I first got out there in 2014, it was really tough. I mean, I missed, I only made a few cuts. And so, you know, week, you know, week after week when you keep missing the cut, it's frustrating and you're trying to figure out what to do. And so, you know, I never really thought about quitting, but I was really frustrated and down on myself. So, um, I mean, it was, it was hard. And so it's really exciting to finally get a win. What do you do in a situation like that when you when you do get down? What what motivates you to to sort of move forward? What what thought process? Because obviously, Laura, as you know, and Cindy, we've talked about many times on the show, the mental side of the game is is what most amateurs don't realize is actually far more important than the physical side of the game. Um, how do you pick yourself up when you get down like that? Yeah, I think that's the hardest part. I mean, you know, it's hard to be confident when you're hitting it terrible. Um, but I think, you know, I just watched other girls, uh, who were playing really well. And, um, I mean, that kind of motivated me to keep improving and, you know, keep trying to get better each week. Um, and so I think it was just seeing how successful they were. It made me want to be just as successful. Um, and so I just kind of stayed with the process and kept working at it. And, and Cindy, you've, you've mentioned many, many times about how important it is to really understand, sort of the, the whys, you know, why are you there and, and that sort of thing. We talked about that in, in your Own Your Game series. Um, you know, can you elaborate a little bit about how important it is for, for a player like Laura that's had a, maybe some difficult stretches, how, how important it is for a player to sort of regroup and, and uh, pick themselves up? Well, I think the difficult part of golf and playing golf is that you can invest all this time and energy and money and work on your game, and you may never get the results you're looking for. Is that true, Laura? Yeah, I think so, for sure. And so if you, you know, you play, did you play in college? Uh, yes, ma'am. I went to Furman University. Oh, you did? You're a smart girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I went to the University of Miami, and I am buddies and played on the tour with Beth Daniel, Betsy King, and Cindy Farrell. So they all went oh, to Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's, you can invest all this time and money and energy, and there's no guarantee that you're going to get what you came for. And each week, there's only one winner. So there could be 144 people teeing it up, and there's only one person that's going to win. So you have to kind of set your sights and your goals and your expectations to say, you know, what are my goals? Well, everybody wants to win. But if if you consistently finish in the top ten, which that girl from Sweden, I can't pronounce her name. What's her name? Um, Madeline Sagstrom. I might yeah. be mispronouncing and, it as well, but I think that's all. 
Yeah, well, she has just overpassed the most money that anyone's ever made on the Symmetra Tour, reaching $100,000, which good for you for beating her because she's like a pit bull, isn't she? She is. She's a really great player. She's She's got everything in the game. She's a good putter. She's really good at ball striking and great short game. So I think she's going to be really successful in the LPGA. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so good for you for beating her head-to-head. That's awesome. But but there's no guarantee, and that's where the doubt sets in. And if you're not getting what you came for right away, you can have this unbelief and doubt and just fear and frustration and apprehension, and you're just not sure. So I think going in, you have to say, okay, I'm going to give this five full years of really trying no matter what happens. And if after five years or six years or ten years or whatever your, you know, goal is, then then you can quit, you know. But before that, you've got to realize you're going to go through some down slopes, you know, downhill, whatever it is. It's just not always going to be great. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. I'm just so thankful that I had my family and friends supporting me and encouraging me to keep playing. So that definitely made a difference for me. That's great. That's great. Laura, Laura, how did you actually get started in golf? What was your, was it, you know, uh, through your family that sort of introduced your, your parents or, um, you know, just watching it on TV? Both my parents um, love golf and, you know, they're avid golfers. And so I grew up right by a golf course. And so I, I, you know, I hit around when I was little, but um, my sisters and I didn't love it and we were busy with other sports. And so, I guess once I got to high school, I started to play more and more. And then once I played in my first tournament, you know, I really liked it, and I kept playing more and just kind of started slowly that way. What do you find most challenging uh, about your game? What's what's sort of your, uh, and I hate to use the term weaker area, but what's the most challenging part of your game? Um, I think my putting can be inconsistent. Um, when I'm putting well, I feel like I can shoot some really low numbers, but it's frustrating to hit good shots and, you know, then not make the putts and, you know, take advantage of opportunities. So I think that's what I've been working on the most recently. And what about your strongest part? Um, my distance. So I get a lot of short iron and short irons and wedges that um, give me some good birdie opportunities. So you're pretty accurate with your, with your short game. Uh, I don't, I try <laughs> to be, but it depends on the week. <laughs> What would you tell amateurs out there, Laura, that that are tuning into the show this morning? Um, what's the uh, let, well? Let me break this up in two parts, because um, you obviously get a, an opportunity to see a lot of them uh, uh, play or or have played with some over the years um, as you're as you've been climbing up. But what um, what are some of the the biggest mistakes you see a lot of amateurs do with their game? Um, do they focus too much in an area that maybe isn't going to benefit them? Because you know, you know how to play golf. You know that the difference about hitting a golf shot and playing golf are two different things. You know how to play golf. What do you see some of the biggest mistakes amateurs make? And if you were their coach, if you will, what would you advise them? Yeah, I think um, I see so many people just standing on the range banging balls, um, and they don't really spend any time on their you know chipping or putting, and so. When they get to the course, they hit good shots, but right when they get around the green, you know, they, you know, lose a couple shots here and a couple shots there. And so Mm -hmm. I would tell them to focus, I mean, spend 10 extra minutes on their putting each day um, or 10 extra minutes chipping, and I think their scores will drop really rapidly. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Um, 
and and you're right. You know, you see a lot of the amateurs. They're out. They're just sort of beating ball after ball, and and it's and it's frustrating as as somebody on the teaching side of things because you try to encourage them to work on areas that you know. But as most of them say, well, it's kind of boring, and and you know, you can invent all these different games. What do you do to make it not boring for you to work on? Because a short game sometimes can be a little daunting. It's not like you know ripping a 300 yard drive. What would you uh, suggest to some of the amateurs out there to make it a little bit more fun and interesting? Uh, I always try to get a friend and have a contest with them. Um, you know, you can play for something, whether it's, you know, $5 or just pride. But um, I think that it helps me focus having an up-and-down contest or, you know, a putting contest, and it makes it fun. So what's uh, what's on the horizon for Laura? What do you what do you look forward to the future? What now that you've got this win, as I say, under your belt, um, obviously it's going to give you some momentum moving in the in the weeks to come. Um, what are some of your longer term goals? What's your your goals, say two three years down the road? Uh, hopefully two or three years down the road, I'll be playing on the LPGA. Uh, I'm hoping to get some more good finishes this year and finish in the top ten on the money list to get my card. So hopefully I will be there in a couple of years. Very good, um, awesome. Cindy. Any Cindy? Anything? Uh, what would you tell our you listeners want? has been the biggest lesson that you've learned in your journey thus far? I think uh, just trying to have fun on the golf course and not taking it too seriously. Um, you know, I I beat myself up when I hit bad shots, but I think you know just having fun and realizing you're not going to hit it perfect every time has been, I guess, one of the biggest lessons, and I'm still working on that, but I think that's helped me the most. Good for you. That's great. Well, and I, and I like the word fun, um, you know, and, and that's something interesting, Cindy, that we've heard a lot of the players that have come on the show talk about is they like to have fun. It's not, you know, obviously there's a serious aspect um, to playing competitive golf on this level, but at the same time they want to have fun. Cause if and, and, Laura, I'm sure you concur. If you're not having fun out there, um, there's not much incentive to want to play, correct? Mm-mm, you really have to love it. I mean, money aside and, and all of the accolades, if you're not really enjoying, it's like any job, really. If you're if you're not having fun or enjoying your 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 work or your craft, um, it, it it can become very boring and very uh, tedious o- over the the time, correct? Yeah, and the travel would be a grind, and it would be a, it would be really tough. So how, how many how many days do you practice? Uh, and and what's, tell us a little bit about your practice routine. And also, you mentioned about working out. You have a trainer and that. Um, are are you a diligent uh, person that works out a lot, or are you sort of uh, <laughs> I average? I could definitely do you think? be better. Um, <laughs> I I'm probably average. Um, it's you know for me it's been tough to work out on the road and find time. So I've been trying to fit that into my schedule and um, be better about that. Um, but, you know, I, I try to practice most days. I, I genuinely love it, so I get out there as much as I can. Um, but I usually take, you know, Mondays off as a travel day. And uh, But other than that, I try to be at the golf course a lot. Sounds that's, – that's perfect. And, and um, you know, you obviously have to, to get out there and work at, at different areas of your game, not just the physical parts of the game, but also the mental uh, aspects as well. What do you do uh, – are, are there – things that you do mentally to, to sort of um, keep yourself in check so that when you do get out there and get faced with some difficult holes or difficult challenges that you're not just sort of crumbling to pieces, what do you do to, to sort of uh, help that aspect? 
Um, I just try to tell myself it's a long day and there's so many more holes of golf and uh, try to take some deep breaths and visualize good shots. Do you ever break up your round? Some of the players that we've had on here talk about where they'll break up their um, 18 holes into, into groups of, say, three, or some might do it at six. Do you do something similar to that where instead of I playing – I've heard a lot of people doing that, but I haven't done that before. Maybe I should give it a try. <laughs> well, there you go. Something else that you can you can put in your repertoire. Um, Laura, we want to thank you for joining us this morning. I know that you've got a busy schedule ahead, and, and we appreciate you taking some time. And, and good luck for the rest of the year, and, uh, and good luck on your journey to the LPGA. And we hope you'll come back and join us again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks. All right. Great young lady. Um, You know, obviously has a a good head or shoulder. You know, there's a pattern here, um, you know, Cindy, that I've noticed. And I'm sure, again, being a player, you notice as well. uh, A consistent pattern with a lot of these players is they're very, very focused they know exactly, you know, it's not like, well, I'd like to do this or I'd like, um, they have a sense of direction. In other words, they've got, you know, a beam of, of light, if you will, in the, in the future that they say, okay, that's what I'm walking towards. Uh, and I'm sort of, of course, meaning that metaphorically, but, um, you know, they, they've got their goals, they've got an agenda and they sort of piece together the puzzle on how to achieve that goal. Is that what you see as well with a lot of these players? I see them or at least they sound like they don't have that much doubt. And maybe, I mean, to me, it's a few years ago when I was playing on the Symmetra Tour trying to get ready for the Legends Tour, there were so many kids out there that really had no business being there. They just right. were not good enough. And and it was like they were in denial and they weren't sure where they should go after they got done playing. Or college golf, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm just avoiding getting a job. Right. And, and again, I understand that we're talking to winners here who mm-hmm. can play, so there's a big difference. But finding the money and sponsorship dollars, I mean, we've had a couple girls on here that I see their profiles on LinkedIn and their Twitter and, hey, do you want to support <clears throat> me while I play golf? I mean, so there's still an awful lot of kids out there that really don't have the money to play. Yeah. Um, and to me, it was just very difficult to try to uh, get the money to play. And if people didn't believe in you, it was, you know, I mean, you got to believe in you more than they do. But it was right. hard, really hard. So uh, God bless them all. That, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and it is hard. You know, there, there's a, a, a big competition, um, you know, as you say, for sponsorship dollars and, and obviously and understandably so that the, the, um, the businesses and the companies that, that uh, you know, usually sponsor a lot of the players, they're going to seek out the top players. They, they're going to get the, um, the Madeline uh, Sagstrom's out there that are very aggressive that, you know, like you mentioned, like a pit bull um, and they're out there winning and, and that's who they're, they're all competing for. And those that maybe aren't as aggressive or aren't as, uh, even flamboyant, if you will, for lack of better words, um, they're going to have a tougher time. And, and as you well know, Cindy, it's not cheap to play. Um, you know, it, the equipment, I mean, a lot of them I know sometimes can get uh, sponsorships through that aspect, but um, the equipment's not cheap. And, um, you know, the, the time and the effort to get out there and practice. Well, the travel and the entry right, fees and the, and the hotels and 
staying in private. How, I mean, it's not a glamorous life. You're no. staying with a different family every week. You know, uh, once you the first year is probably the most difficult because you don't know where you're going. You don't know the golf courses. You're trying to get acclimated. You've got to figure out when are you traveling. Like she said, Monday's a travel day. Um, you've got to really be organized with your schedule because it's you and only you, you know. So I, God bless them. It's really, really hard, and I think it's awesome that they're not giving up. And I think that playing college golf also helps them because they travel an awful lot. But um, it's, it's great. You know, something else, too, Cindy, that just sort of came to mind, and, and you, you've had this experience as well because you played, as you said, for the University of Miami. Um, but one of the things that a lot of people, I'm sure, is a bit of a culture shock for some of these young ladies that played collegiate golf, they're playing on a team. Um, so there's that camaraderie. They've got, you know, uh, a, a group of other girls that they're, that they're playing with, that they're out there, you know, grinding it and, and trying to, you know, um, move the team forward, if you will, in, in, uh, in the standings. But then when they get out on the Symmetra Tour or whatever um, other, um, you know, entry tour, if you will, now all of a sudden they're on their own. They don't have that team with them any longer. Um, so that's a transition in itself. Would you agree? Absolutely. But, again, you know, they're out there and probably some of their teammates are there too. And sure. they've played college golf and matches against all these other schools. So basically it's just, con- you know, you're continuing what you were doing. It's just it doesn't matter what your teammates choose. Right. And you so. can't, you know, you, you can't rely on your teammate for, for, you know, the extra help. I'm sure they're, they're all supportive of one another in some degrees, but now they're out there com- actually competing against one another as opposed to competing together uh, for a common, uh, common cause. So um, it, it, it's kind of interesting uh, I just think when, when you see some of these young ladies, like um, Erica particularly, you know, last week, you know, had a very, uh, you know, very good collegiate, um, you know, a game, if you will, and a lot of some, some great success there. But then when she came out on tour, uh, got to a point where just things became so overwhelming that she thought about giving the game up. And, and as we heard Laura uh, earlier as well mention that, um, that there were times in, in her earlier career that uh, she thought, wow, this is, you know, a little tougher than what I thought. So, you know, it, it's not, it, it's a big shock, as you pointed out earlier on, that when, when you get out there and now you're, you're on a, just because you're a professional, all, all those fears and anxieties that you may have carried through on your journey don't just suddenly, you know, evaporate into smoke. Absolutely. Absolutely. What did you do um, while well, we're waiting here for, for <coughs> Shelly to, to come on board? What did you do to sort of, you know, ease? I mean, obviously you don't get rid of them completely, but I'm sure you had in your transition some anxieties and that, that you sort of carried along. And I know you've jokingly talked about on the show that you're still working through some of them now uh, these years later. But what were some things that you tried to do earlier on to, to really alleviate some of that anxiety coming out on tour? Well, you can really only focus on the task at hand. And and you need to to remember that. And what uh, every one of these young girls is saying to us is, I'm trying to have fun on the course, so we got to have fun. I'm mm. trying not to um, worry about what I shoot. If I start the round poorly, I'm not worried. So they really, I think they have to trust in their abilities, which is hard. Uh, but if you're not positive what you're doing and you don't have confidence in your game, you shouldn't be out there competing. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, um, that makes and And you have to trust that you belong, you know, and I think they learn that in college, you know, hey, how do I measure up with against all these people? Am I good? Am I good enough? You know, what do I need to do? All that stuff. So it's just you have to learn to believe in yourself and you have to know what you're doing and you have to be able to focus on it. Exactly. And we're going to talk. Yeah, we'll talk a lot. We've got a great, uh, great guest coming up here and I see she's ready. So we'll we'll do a quick introduction here and then we'll bring her out into the conversation. And we'll actually talk to her about um, because, you know, she obviously has the experience here as as the women's golf coach at uh, Bellevue University in Nebraska. We'll talk to her about how she handles, um, you know, her young ladies uh, out in the golf course. But how, as she prepares them for the next phase, if you will, in their career. So let me just bring, uh, let me just introduce here first uh, Shelly Liddick, and then we'll uh, we'll bring her on the show. Um, Shelly, of course, is uh, in addition, as I mentioned, to the women's golf coach for the um, uh, Bellevue University out in Nebraska. She's also a uh, LPJ teaching and club professional. Uh, she was named women's golf coach at Bellevue uh, back in August 2010. Has been named the MC AC Coach of the Year in her first three seasons at uh, Bellevue. Uh, she was named the LPJ National Coach of the Year in 2012-2013, and again in 2013 and 14, becoming the only LPJ member to coach, uh, LBM member coach, excuse me, LPGA member coach, excuse me, uh, to be awarded the honor two years in a row. She's also been awarded the LPJ Central Section Coach of the Year twice as well. Uh, Bellevue reached the uh, NA. IA National Tournament uh, for a third straight, straight season, placing seventh during the 14-15 season. And the Bruins won the MCAC NSAA Conference Tournament uh, for the fourth straight season. And they've won five team titles during that season as well. So she's got a lot of uh, experience, not only as an LPGA professional, but also as a women's golf coach. So, Cindy, let's, uh, let's welcome uh, Shelley Liddick. Good morning, Shelley. Good morning. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thank well, you for we joining pre- us. We appreciate you joining us, and, and thank you uh, for taking your time out of your, your busy schedule. Um, Shelley, there, there were a lot more accolades to go on, but uh, we want to have some, some time to, to talk with you in that. Um, you also had 21 tournament titles, uh, you know, t- to your credit as well. So lots of good stuff there. Um, first and foremost, what we want to really talk about, obviously, is your, is your, your coaching aspect. We just had a young lady um, Laura Wern from the uh, Symmetra Tour. She was a winner last week. This is her first win. Mm-hmm. Had a you know interesting college career. Not not really a strong college career, but uh, nonetheless an interesting one. First off, talk about a little bit about your coaching style. Um, how do you sort of approach the the girls uh, on the team? How do you handle uh, some of the adversities that come up from time to time? So just talk maybe a little bit about your your coaching style. Sure. Well. Um one of the ways that I approach um, college golf um, is to really build on the team aspect. Um, you know, golf is such an individual sport, and we're out there, you know, we, we, when we grow up playing as juniors, we're out there by ourselves, and we kind of learn the game from that perspective. Um, and then once you get into college, you know, it becomes a team sport. You know, you play five, count four, and it takes all five post a score so even though we drop a score it takes all five so everybody has a role on the team and those roles tend to come about I guess organic they sort of emerge um, and sometimes you can pinpoint a girl and say okay you're, you're gonna you're gonna make a great leader and so you so I will try to 
develop leadership skills in that person um, to then become, you know, maybe the team captain or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so just really developing a team and building team chemistry is one of the first things I try to do um, each year. And so from there, well, then we can um, have different types of practices where we continue the, the team aspect, but also, of course, we're always working on their their skills and whether they're the hard skills or soft skills. Um, but we're always doing it as a team. And so I think that there's a lot of power in that team mm-hmm. aspect, and that helps those girls um, become better and, and actually become better than they thought they could ever become. And um, just that's just something that's always worked for me, and so I kind of stick with that. And, and so through that team aspect, that's when you're starting to develop the human and you're developing their character skills, and, and then all those wonderful things emerge on the golf course during competition as a player. Hmm. Interesting. Um, what do you do? What, what do you look for um, when you're putting your team together? Um, you know, obviously you're looking for a certain skill level, but um, mm-hmm. what other attributes are you looking for as well? You might have a great player that comes up and can just hit the ball around the golf course like crazy, but maybe has a, a less than stellar attitude on the golf course. Maybe, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say they're throwing clubs around, but they just don't have a positive <laughs> attitude. Is that a player that, that you would necessarily want to bring on the team that could potentially have a negative effect, even though they're a good, uh, good player? Right. So, yeah, so that, that is a, that's a huge factor. Um, and those, that can be coached out of a person. It takes a long time um, because it's just become such a, a deep habit as far as right. how they react to bad shots. Um, I don't necessarily um, go after that person in, in the recruiting um, environment. Mm-hmm. If I see that, I'm probably going to shy away from that. Um, but sometimes you can kind of see through that and really see um, into the person that that's kind of, uh, protective mode, like protecting themselves, and so they act out in that way. That can be easily coached out. Um, sometimes the other ones um, are a little more challenging to coach that uh, a change in behavior. Um, but what, what I tell my recruits is, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a person who, first and foremost, is has a deep desire to earn a university degree because. College golf or any college sport, that's what it's really about. Student first, right. athlete second. So they want to, you know, be, even if they're not a strong student, but have that desire to um, earn that degree, that's that's important to me. They've got to be passionate about the game of golf because, in you know, once you, you play a college sport, it pretty much becomes your life, and it's, it's all the time after class. We have fitness training, right. you know, team meetings, practice, tournament travel. So you, you really got to be passionate and really love the game. Um, secondly, or thirdly, um, the they have to be a, a team player. Like they, they have to want to be a part of a team. Um, and as I explained earlier, that's that's a very huge, important thing of, in uh, college golf. And uh, the fourth thing is that they've got to have the courage to see how, how good they can become. Because when you, be, when you begin to develop your skills, and then all of a sudden you make three four birdies in a row, that can be a scary place. And so mm-hmm. you've got to be willing to to sort of, um, well, I always say fling yourself off the mountain <laughs> right. and, and just see where it takes you. 
And um, so, th- so those are the four things I talk to recruits about. And they either get it or they don't get it. And if they get it, um, they tend to be a, a pretty good team member with, with what we do. Yeah, so there's a lot of thought. It's not just, you know, in, in choosing and putting your teams together uh, over the mm-hmm. years. It's not just a matter of, of them being a, a great player or a good player. There's other factors that you look at. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, of course, skill is important, <clears throat> but sure. even more important is the, is the person because we can develop skill, and it's, um, you know, and then we can also help develop the human skills as well, the character and the, all that good stuff, so. Um, so it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you yeah. interview the parents? I well, yes and no. I I do have a lot of conversation, but I I don't think of it as, as an interview. But I suppose that's what I'm doing. And now that you mention it, um, but yeah, it's I think it's important to talk to the parents and get a sense of um, how they view their child's game, how they view their child's academic career um and if they if they're trying to empower the child and, and kind of let them um move forward and give them a safe space to fail then you've got some good parents and so the parents who it's all about results it's all about performance those are going to be the challenging ones to work with um because they're not creating an environment that's set up for their child to succeed and so that's a I try to do is just set up the environment. It's okay to fail as long as we're learning from those mistakes because it, I don't know if there's a book out there, but I always use the term fail forward. Right. Yes, there, there is. is. John Maxwell yeah. wrote it. Yeah, yep. that's yeah. how I got it. Fail forward. And, uh, yeah, <clears throat> and, so, and it's okay. Um, and and that's, that's a hard lesson for a lot of young kids, especially now, to learn. Um, but, yeah, so I, I do try to get a feel of how the parents um, – sort of how they uh, their philosophy on that aspect because you know when you you know in golf when it's not going well on the golf course you know all your everything's amplified your emotions your how you feel about yourself um and so if we can you know if you have a child that it's okay that you're not having a good day on the golf course they're going to they're going to rebound from that so quickly and, and be able to come back the next day or, you know, come back the next tournament and be just fine and really forget about what had happened in the last event. So, yes, the parents, I think, have a huge influence on how that, how the children handle that. I think so. Well, how yeah, I far think she... away, let me just ask, how far away from, you're in Nebraska, right? Right. How far away do you recruit? Um, all over the world. <laughs> wow. So this yeah, this team right now, um, I have four, five seniors. And I have two from Mexico, uh, one from France, or I'm sorry, yeah, one of the seniors is from France, one from Bolivia, and um, one from Nebraska. <laughs> and then I have two hmm. freshmen who are from France. So, and then next year I've got a girl from Argentina coming in and a girl from Germany, and then uh, two Americans, one from Indiana and one from Ohio. So yeah, so all literally all over the world. Wow, very diverse. Wow. Um, and it's a I, reflection. I to ask, of, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Shelley. Well, I was just going to say it's a reflection of how global women's golf is, and you know when we look at the LPGA Tour and the leaderboard, there's a lot of different types of flags 
next to their names on the leaderboard and and that's just how women's golf is and and um you know i i love it <laughs> yeah i think it's it's become more diverse i think than the men's uh, golf if you will mm-hmm. i think really when you look at the the different tour levels of tours and and that collegiately as well i i, I wanted to ask it sort of a follow up question to what cindy uh, was asking or leading to mm-hmm. uh, about the parents because I'm sure you've had this as well. Um, you know, all parents want to think that their child is is going to be the next you know best thing. So I'm sure there's issues that sometimes come up where you have to sort of rein the parents in. How do you walk that fine line because you maybe want their their child uh, playing on your team, but the parents uh, you know are sort of that sideline soccer mom or dad, if you will, that's, that's, you know, very aggressive and wanting to sort of take charge of things. How do you balance that fine line with the parents and say, Hey, wait a minute, you need to, to let me do my job. In other words, rein them in a little bit. Right. Well, um, you know, statistics are a pretty good thing to use. <laughs> so, um, you know, if a, if a, if a uh, player, so what I, I have qualifying, so you have to qualify to be in the top five to be able to travel. And I always reserve the right to have a, not not necessarily a coach's pick, but but include intangibles. So that you know you have the hard data with which is stats, you know what's your score in, in qualifying. Um, but I also include the intangibles, which are things like you know attitude, how um, how are you treating others, how are you treating yourself. Um, you know, things that are measured in a subjective way. And, right. Um, and so once you kind of include those types of things and give examples um, to a parent, they kind of understand. Um, you know, there's always the exception. We have a challenging parent to work with. But, um, you know, I, I try to use, just go straight up by qualifying and include some intangibles if I have to. Right. And, yeah, because yeah, and that, that helps. Yeah, because I mean, you're always going to have the, like you said, there's going to be the exception to the rule. Most of them, I'm sure, um, sort of fall into line. But you're going to have some parents that that want their their child to to sort of be the, the superstar or what have you of the team, yeah. and you know, want to sort of, you know, influence you on how how they're handled and want to advise you on what you should and shouldn't be doing and that sort of thing. And I'm sure it can be very frustrating as the coach because you've got a game plan. And, and that brings me to the next question. Um, you know, you have a game plan when you go into these uh, events. Obviously, all, you know, uh, in a perfect world, you'd love to win them all. But realistically, you know, you're not going to win every single one. But um, what is your game plan going in uh, to the events? What do you try to say to the girls? Say, okay, this is what we need to do. And you need to sort of focus here because this is maybe a weaker. What, what's sort of your thought process? And how do you articulate that to the girls going into events? Yeah, well, we always have like a – a range that we like to have our team score. Um, we don't say like an exact number, but sure. on a, you know, after a practice round and evaluate the course and map it out and chart it and all that, you know, we can you know, we'll go, okay, you know, I think this is realistic for us. And so we'll set that range. Um, but mo- more importantly is um, we're always reminding ourselves to stick to the process. And if we stick to the processes, that'll yield the results that we desire because if we're only focused on results, um, we're not able to stay present. And right. and, once, and when you're engaged in the process, that keeps you in the present moment. You know, because we always talk about one shot at a time, stay present. 
and it's like, well, how do you how do you do that? And the and we practice being deeply engaged in the process, and that has to do with um, pre-shot routine, um, what we're thinking or not thinking over the ball, all the way to the end of the swing as you're holding your finish. So that just all the processes and the way we read a green or you know engaging in processes um, for each and every shot. And so that's that's our big thing. So we're always talking about processes. Hmm. Interesting. Um, what about the other side of the spectrum? Uh, you know, obviously, as I said uh, a moment ago, you're not going to win every event that you go into. And in some cases, it, it might be a huge mm-hmm. disappointment. You might have had a big loss. How do you handle that situation with your team? Because you know, as you said, kids will bounce back, but uh, even they, you know, sometimes if, if it's a big enough loss can really hit it hard. How do you handle that situation? How do you help them regroup and stay focused on, on the, the end game, if you will, and not let this particular event or maybe even a couple of events that they didn't do well in um, taking root? Well, one of the things I like to do after every tournament is I always have them tell me three things they did really well. And, and describe it or write it in detail. So whether it's mm-hmm. a shot, whether it's um, w- the way they handled something emotionally, maybe it's the way they uh, handled a playing partner. Um, so it can be any three things. So I have them write it down in detail. And then I have them write down three things um, that they didn't do well. And if they had the opportunity to do it again, what would they do differently? So that, and again, that can be a shot. It can be a way that they um, tried to create a, a trouble shot, or you know, punching out of trouble or something. Or it, I mean, it can be anything. And um, so once they go through that particular process after an event, that really puts things in perspective because then they're seeing, okay, I did some things really, really well, and the things that I didn't do well, they have the opportunity to learn from it. You know, because when mm-hmm. we're out there, you can't drop another ball and hit a mulligan but post round you can reflect on it and go you know what I probably should hit a hybrid instead of my four iron on that particular shot and you know so then they've replayed it in their mind and it helps them um, just be more resilient and and be have that bounce back ability to be ready for the next event or be ready to go into practice the next day um, without having that um weigh on their mind so much because they've already processed through it. So I think that's one of, probably one of the most important things we do. And um, I call it a round reflections, and mm-hmm. um, they've become really, really good at it. I mean, it's amazing what they're, how, they, how they're writing, especially the, the if I had the opportunity to, to do it again, what would I do differently? They've become right. very good at that. Yeah, and and it's it's also a good way to to um, keep them in tune with their schoolwork as well by writing. And I mean, I, I know everything's computerized now, but uh, it helps uh, with mm-hmm. some of their other skills as well. Um, Cindy, I'm still interested in how you recruit all these kids from all these countries. Do you go to these countries to look at them? I play? wish. <laughs> I have the world's largest like, wow. Yeah, right. I'm like, what is in this? Well, you know, so in America, it's the only place where we can play a college sport and get a university education. So these kids all over the world know about this, and they they want to come have the opportunity to do this, and, and they know that they're 
golf skills um, can bring this opportunity. So there are several um, agencies, if you will, um, all over the world that help these kids find universities. And I joke and I tell people it's like Match.com for college golf. And so the coaches go on and you, you know, you look at these profiles and you can see their tournament history and you can, there's usually a statement um, that the kids write about their golf philosophy and a little bit about themselves. Um, There's video of them speaking and there's some video of swing and some on-course work and stuff. So that's how the first contact really happens is just, you know, researching. And um, and then if, if you're interested, then, um, I can send an email or uh, attempt a phone call uh, to the to the recruit and just begin the conversation and, and learn about them and if, see if it's a good match for our university and the academics that we offer and, um, you know, if it's a place they want to be. And, and uh, if it's a match, we'll offer some scholarship and, and uh, then, then the hard work begins because it's a lot, a lot of paperwork to get these kids their visas and get them eligible and all that good stuff. So, um, but yeah, Hmm. that's essentially how I do it. Um, there are some coaches in, you know, maybe some bigger programs with bigger budgets and they do go travel and, um, uh, over to Europe and, um, various places and they'll go watch a lot of these kids play. Um, but the kids that I recruit, you know, essentially it's uh, working with a lot of these agencies that help them find places to play. And, um, you know, so far I've recruited a, just a bunch of really, really great kids, and um, been, been had had some really good co- kids come through the program so far from all over the world. So you've been lucky, or made good choices, right? So yeah, like you know, we, we've made some good matches. <laughs> Have you ever uh, have you had anybody that you can think of in in recent times, uh, Shelley? And when I say diamond in the rough, obviously you're again you're you're going to pick mm-hmm. the best that you can you can get. But have you ever found somebody that even surpassed what you expected? Yes, um, that is a great question. So there was a girl who was actually from Nebraska, and I tried to recruit her, and she ended up going to another college in Nebraska, and um, so then you know I go through the year and then at the end of the year I get this phone call from this girl that I was trying to recruit and uh, she said hey coach you know this is her name's Carissa um, I have a release so it's okay that I talk to you and so she said she was interested in coming to visit um, our university because she wasn't particularly uh, the place that she chose didn't really turn out to be exactly how she thought it would be and said sure yeah come on and and I wanted this girl because um, she was a really, really good athlete. Like she was a very, very good uh, high school soccer player, but had a passion for golf. And so wanted to play uh, golf in college and uh, she was an okay player. And, uh, but somebody, but just that kind of spark plug that you want on your team, because, you know, as I said earlier, the, that team aspect is pretty important and she would have played an important role. And uh, so she was, kind of like a 84 average, which, you know, it's not this level, but, you know, it's something you can kind of work with. She broke 80 several times in tournaments, but her average was just not quite there. And uh, so she ended up coming to Bellevue, and I said, you know, you'll probably be our 6'7 player, and she was okay with that because, you know, everybody's got a role. And uh, she just really took to everything that 
we teach and coach and improve leaps and bounds and, um, you know, ended up with like a 78 average, career average. Hmm. So she improved that much in just three years. And wow. uh, the last day at Nationals, she was three under through nine holes. And, I mean, it was amazing to watch this transformation and um, just embracing everything we teach and coach. Um, and, you know, you talk about engaging in the processes, and this girl really hooked into that. And and it was it was fun to watch. And I'm I'm sad that she's graduating, but she's going to be my assistant coach next year. So pretty excited. Oh, that's there you- awesome. Yeah. That's a great. So, yeah. So she was definitely that diamond in the rough that just really shined and blossomed. Yeah, that's a great that's a great story and and you know, um and that's really what it's all about. You know, it's not just about helping mm-hmm. these young ladies play some great golf. I mean, obviously that's uh primary your function, but you're also helping them grow as individuals and become better human beings and and aspire to be better um, for themselves, for their futures, whether they continue to play golf or not. So um, that's a great story, and, and what a great way to, to end uh, our segment. Um, Shelly, we want to thank you for joining us this morning. We appreciate you, uh, as I said earlier, for giving up your time, and um, we hope that uh, you have continued success at uh, Bellevue, and uh, good luck for the season. Well, thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it, and uh, you guys are doing a fantastic job. We appreciate it. Thanks, well, thank Shelley. you very much. All right. Yep, thank Take you. care. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, very inspirational, you know, to have something like that. And that was kind of why I wanted to ask that question because, you know, I'm sure that she sees a lot of great players, um, you know, throughout the years and that. But there's always sort of that one special one that maybe wasn't quite, uh, you know, up to snuff at, at the beginning, but, um, you know, over – over the course of the, the, the terms, you know, has some, some, uh, has that, that skill inside them and just waiting for the right match. And obviously, um, that was the right match. And, and now she's going to help, uh, be an assistant coach for, uh, uh, for Shelly, uh, for, for next year. Um, unfortunately we're out of time, Cindy, we gotta, we gotta close this one up for, for another week, but, uh, we're glad that you all enjoyed it and uh, that you joined us this week. And remember to tune in each and every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on Block Talk Radio's Women of Golf Show. Thank you, everybody. Um, Keep working on your games, and we'll be back next week with another uh, interesting show for you here on the Women of Golf. Thank you, Cindy. Have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ted. Have a great one yourself. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.